I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. We do our work from the text of Scripture in tonight, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We are a culture revealing a long-standing interest in sports. Scrolling through social media the past few weeks, in addition to the more serious aspects of the current crisis, I've noticed some of my friends really disappointed over the delay of the baseball season. The NASCAR race last week just wasn't the same without fans in the stadium. The NFL draft was online streaming And the beginning of the football season is uncertain. We love our sports. And we may think we Americans originated this form of recreation and entertainment. But sports dates back at least 3,000 years. And in the time of Christ and the Apostle Paul, in that ancient world, a variety of athletic events were conducted and well known. Some of the Imagery and illustrative narratives in the New Testament reflect the presence of races in the first century. And that takes me now to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This passage speaks to us four things everyone needs to run the race of life. Four things everyone needs to run the race of life. Number one, the encouragement of testimony. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The great cloud of witnesses, who are they? And what is their testimony that encourages us today? Well, they are the people named in chapter 11 who went before us, long before us, and gave us the encouraging testimony that the activity of faith in God has the highest value of any form of human activity. You may be active in the corporate world. You may acquire celebrity status by the activity of your talent. You may be active in many ways drawing the recognition of the world, but these men and women, the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 11, encourage us by their testimony that the activity of faith in God has the highest value of any form of human activity. There was Abel who offered an acceptable sacrifice to God. Though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up, having pleased God. Noah's faith was commended. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Moses was looking for the reward, left Egypt, 
kept the Passover, not being afraid. Then we come to Hebrews 11 at verse 32, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And then if you just continue reading, where are you? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In life, the life of a Christian, we need encouragement to move us, to lighten the load, supply confidence and joy, and we have the encouragement of the testimony of these people whose stories are told in Scripture, people who illustrate that the activity of faith in God has the highest value of any human activity. We need that to run the race set before us. We also need the removal of excess. Let us also lay aside every weight. I have friends who run in marathon-type events. What do you think their response would be if I suggested to them the following list of gear? A military helmet, a raincoat, knee-high boots, and a backpack loaded up to about 20 pounds. Well, maybe this is why my friends don't ask for my advice. Marathon runners today do exactly what runners in the first century games did, lay aside every weight, similar to what a merchant would do navigating his vessel through dangerous waters, you jettison non-essential cargo. One of our problems is we are so loaded down with baggage, not just unneeded baggage, baggage that keeps us from finishing at all. 
Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so close. If you want to run well and finish strong in life, there are some things you cannot take with you, specifically any sin, anything that is offensive to God, as described in His Word. Give it up. It weighs you down. And you will not be permitted to cross the finish line with all of that awful baggage. This part of the passage requires that you use God's Word to soberly evaluate what you have strapped to the back of your life. Is it the love of money, pulsating appetite, lasciviousness, indifference, absence of spiritual growth? Am I deficient in prayer? Am I a good steward of the manifold grace of God, a servant, a daily disciple? Something dark inside you that holds you back away from God and slowly takes you off and out of the race altogether? Listen again to our text, please. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Third, to run the race of life, you need endurance. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Running, or any athletic activity, involves exertion, prolonged, strenuous effort. That requires a certain level of good health and fitness, but most important, determination. I'm going to do this. Others have done it, the great cloud of witnesses. I want to lay aside sin and do this. A sound of determination must be in our heads, a strong sense of intentional determination. Let us do this. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. If your religious life is just something on your list, a few things you do if you have time, not a priority, you don't think about it much, your life goes on down the path of self-interest. If a crisis arises, you may have some thoughts about God and prayer and even some Bible reading, but it isn't really the activity of your daily life. It is something you keep on the shelf. It is secondary, occasional, infrequent. The New Testament describes Christianity as a way of life. Daily discipleship, God in your heart and life, looking to Jesus with a strong determination to endure, to keep going with what you started when you were baptized. Perseverance, endurance that produces joy and hope. Perseverance is a repeated theme in Hebrews People were under pressure. Christians were being tempted to leave Christ and turn to their old religion. One object of the writer was to strengthen them and keep them in the race. Listen to the last verse in chapter 10. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. 
Now you hear in that intention, determination, and zeal to run the race God has set before us. We can be encouraged by those stories of faith in chapter 11. We can lay aside every weight, the weight of sin. We can then run with endurance. And who enables us to do all these things? Where should our focus be? On the Savior. That's the fourth point, looking to Jesus. I may read the Bible and perfectly understand what faith is and the necessary obedience of faith. I may learn the stories of Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Moses, and admire the activity of their faith. I may work to rid myself of some bad habits and try to understand the need for endurance, but still, with all that knowledge, I need a Savior. You need a Savior. I need Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Faith without Jesus is nothing but a concept, even if you include obedience. Jesus is here described as the founder and perfecter of our faith. To be forgiven of my sin, to be pardoned and be able to enter into fellowship with God, faith that looks to Jesus and responds to him is an absolute necessity. You can't run this race without him. Faith is incomplete without him, since he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. We need to understand this. Jesus isn't just another Bible person like Abel, Enoch, Abraham, and Moses. Abel died and his influence continues. Abraham believed God, Moses, Noah, the others, but they didn't die for you. Learn about faith from these others, but fix your eyes on Jesus who died for you to get you out of sin and to be a child of God. As we run the race God has set before us, our head cannot really be in the game if we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus. Without that focus, you'll fall down. You will drift off course. You'll lack the necessary endurance if your eyes are not fixed on Him. There is deliberate, intentional focus on the one who gave His life so that you can run this race of life and reach the destination. We have to be Christ-centered people. Our baptism was into Christ. Our repentance was enabled by the cross. Our confession was our conviction that Jesus is the Christ. Our preaching and teaching is Christ-centered. He is our example, King, friend, Redeemer, our head. The race God has set before us cannot be completed if our head isn't in the game, and that means fixing our eyes on Jesus. More than just a set of teachings, there is the teacher. More than just rules, there is the ruler. As we run the race God has set before us, our head cannot really be in the game if we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus. To finish strong, I must know him, love him, obey him, knowing this, 
For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I need to add this thought for us. When you read this passage, don't take an analytical, sequential view of it. I'm talking about the sometimes forced sequential analysis. That would sound like this. First, I'll throw off every weight, and then after that, I'll run with endurance, and then finally, I'll look to Jesus. No, you have to get your eyes focused on Jesus to enter the race to appreciate the testimony of the cloud of witnesses, to throw off weight and run with endurance. Jesus is, according to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Have you obeyed him? If you haven't, can we help you get there? Please get in touch with me. Contact the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. Even if you don't do that now, please keep listening, read your Bible, look to Jesus, the author of eternal salvation, to all who obey him. Thank you.